1990, man. It was uh, the that cusp year between fifth and sixth grade. Ooh, moving from elementary school oh, to middle yeah. school. I mean, for some of us, it was. <laughs> yeah, for this guy right here. Yeah, I was hanging out in Friendship Heights, and yeah. I was starting to uh, really in get in DC. Oh, yeah, you know that. Yeah, I was at Maza Gallery. Sure. And there was this fun little store at Maza Gallery. I would go to, and you would buy CDs or even cassettes. Actually, it was all cassettes at this point. You're talking about. Arnold's Disc Shop. You bet. Arnold's Ditch Disc Shop was where I went, and I got a, a really super chill Iron Maiden poster. That's hilarious. And Sick. I also got myself a um, Motley Crue Dr. Feelgood poster. Did I care about the uh, music? Absolutely not. Right. But what did I love? The monsters on the posters. That was the place where I got my first two albums given to me by my dad. He gave me. Uh, he bought me Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced, or Electric Ladyland, one of the two, and uh, Run DMC is Raising Hell. Hell <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, one of those got you ready for uh, to, to talk to boomers about their wild <laughs> days. <laughs> and the other one. About their, did you say their IRAs or their wild days? <laughs> right. Well, they all have IRAs. They're like, you know, I, really, I followed the dead for a couple years. I went to Woodstock, man. And then I really, you know what I found to be really counterculture? Money. Yeah. <laughs> Being uh, financially sound and yeah. solvent. Having multiple homes. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, My parents hadn't met yet. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Not to be that guy, but. <laughs> You may hear a third voice on mic today, and that is Alex Shannon, who is our special guest today, and she is uh, from the podcast, The Ridiculous People Podcast. Hi. Let's say podcast as many times as possible. Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, it's two ladies talking about uh, the entertainment industry and movies and TV and stuff. What's the format? Oh, podcast. Yeah, it's podcast. It's a podcast format. We talk into microphones. Got you. Mostly. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're really excited to have you here today to talk about a year before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few years before I was born, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was, uh, before you were even a thought in your parents who haven't met mine. It's true. We were, uh, I was playing um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the four-player arcade Sick. game at Arnold's. In the back, in back of Arnold's and Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. Yep. That and also means that I saw this movie when I was like probably five and a half years old, though. Wow! I like I saw this movie is like very early in my ma- in my brain. It's interesting when we think about that because I look at all of my uh, nephews and nieces, and they have TV that is, and even music that's just catered directly to them, like yeah. some kids' bop albums, or mm-hmm. uh, like just they'll listen to uh, Metallica, but it's like kids play Metallica. Ugh. Whereas I know my dad just took me to see raw ass movies when I was little. Yeah. Like I would yeah. go to the Uptown Theater, and I, one of the first experiences I remember is him taking me to see The Last Emperor, which was about the um, last emperor of China uh, dur- before before and during the occupation of Japan and World War Two. So that and like the first scene is him in prison attempting suicide. <laughs> So, uh, amazing, right? So, yeah. and then after that, he took me out to eat Chinese food. Nice. So it was like a whole cultural experience. Yeah, my mom just wanted someone else to watch these like weird movies with, like yeah. the steamy soap opera type shows that she was watching, and like movies like this. She just, my dad didn't want to watch it, so she was like, "Well, we have a small child that seems a little older than you know she looks." So totally. that's fine. My dad took me to see Die Hard for that. Exact same reason, probably. Amazing. My mom had zero interest. Yeah. My mom would take me to the good ones, like Princess Bride and Planes, <laughs> oh, Trains, nice. and Automobiles. My dad took me to Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws 4. Christmas movie. <laughs> that, is, that is funny. Yeah. Can I, I think... ask you a quick question? Please. For your uh, Chinese dinner date with your dad after being at the Uptown. Dean and Gabe grew up together, obviously, or mm-hmm. in the same city, very cl- close proximity. Yeah. Uh, did you go to Yenching Palace? Yeah. That's the one that is on uh, Connecticut Avenue, right next to the... Uh, Next to the Seven Eleven. Yeah. Yep. Where it used to be. It's on uh, Macomb, I think. Uh huh. That's where the Bay of Pigs was finally ended. Really. That's where they had the the, the meeting with the, uh, the the other governments. So, uh, like like uh, Fidel's emissaries from Cuba and I, Henry Kissinger, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Henry Kissinger was there. It was, it was the JFK years. I think it was like '61. Yeah. They met over some general general chicken. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And wontons. All right. Just a little bit a little bit of history. A deep cut. Yeah. So, uh, what was going on? So, let's talk a little bit about 1990, though. Yes, I mean, let's. 
I, uh, I, I, I love this year. This was like the, the you know, pre-puberty. I was still just a smooth boy, totally hairless. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to Bon Jovi's uh, <laughs> Young Guns 2 songs. On oh, a steel wow. horse I ride, wanted, dead or alive. I really wish you had sung no. that. No. Yeah. yeah, well, we got to go out to karaoke sometime. No. Maybe we'll have an Eat, Pray, Judge uh, karaoke sesh. I feel like you two would be a good karaoke uh, I pairing. hate karaoke, I, actually. I fucking hate it. I, like, I'm a, like, I sing, and, like, it, I find karaoke to be wildly embarrassing, because I don't ever want to seem like I'm trying to sound good at karaoke, but I also don't really know how to do the whole, like, yell-sing thing. So yeah. I can't get in there with a musical theater fucking... I, I, that makes me cringe so bad. So I, think, I won't do it. The people that take it seriously are what bums everyone out about karaoke. Right? Like, can't do it yeah you you don't you don't want to be too good right you know because you don't want to make everyone around you feel bad or like you're doing the most but i also don't want to fake being bad because that's also like ew i don't know <laughs> that's like 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 oh i'm such a good singer i have to take it down a notch like yeah. i so i just i like to be in the, the audience you, yeah. should, you, 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 would, you would have to play down to the blackout drunks that are sitting in front of you maybe i just waiting need to get blackout drunk waiting for their turn so although this song came out in 1988 on the album it was on the radio uh in 1990 and was a hit was paul abdul's opposites attract hell yeah which would be a great duo karaoke song between uh someone playing paula and then someone playing mc scat cat which is a really weird name yeah her animated lover Mm -hmm. who loved to smoke she hated cigarettes that was one of the lines right yeah scat has a very different meaning now than it did back then Sure. Well, scat scat then was like bibi doo bop bop. Right now mm-hmm. it's just poop stuff. Shh, totally. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was watching Home Alone. You brought it up. Nineteen ninety. That was the movie. Oh, I I brought up Home Alone. You did. I must have missed it. No, wait. You brought up Die Hard. And I did. That, that was, was eighty eight. Yeah, I was. I similar it, film. journaling though. It's exactly the same. <laughs> it's the same film. It's a home invasion film that yeah. happens on Christmas. Well, I mean, and I I argue that the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen starts the exact same as Die Hard. The first ten minutes of both those movies is the same. Yeah, it's the same fucking movie. Yeah, Hans Gruber is the Wet Bandits. It's true. In the Nakatomi Towers, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm glad Macaulay Culkin's, like, leaning back into his roots about it. Did you see those, like, ads that he was doing? No? Oh, I didn't did, see like, that. He did, like, some Super Bowl ads Yeah, I thought that stuff. was kind of good. Yeah, where he was, like, leaning into the fact that he was the Home Alone kid. I think it was a little yeah. silly how he just, like, so anti that whole perception of him. It's like, dude, be, be appreciative that you got that. He was too busy that. being on drugs. That's Home true. Alone. He making, was on meth. Making important films like Party Monster. Yeah. Yeah. Dating Mila Kunis for years and years and years and years. God bless. I know. You know, um, if I had a lot of money and I was young, I probably wouldn't work at all. I would just be at Knott's Berry Farm every day. Specifically Knott's Berry Farm? <laughs> well, you know, I might do a tour. So you're saying you'd live in L.A., Gabe. Wild. <laughs> you wild animal. Yeah. I'd be on Montezuma's Revenge. Just <laughs> loving it. Um, funnel cake. <laughs> Nobody's right, telling you yeah. you can't. So you were watching Home Alone? 1990 yeah. and dances mm. with wolves right oh i saw that in the theater you saw it with and, and friendship heights yeah oh you saw it in mm. friendship heights we snuck into the back door at the uh whatever theater that was uh on uh, right off of wisconsin um alex wasn't born yet <laughs> we need so, to keep bringing that up yeah that's gonna happen <laughs> repeatedly throughout this sorry um my bad you know you know what people weren't watching then why don't you tell me uh steven bochko's drama cop rock which uh you know Combined uh, compelling storylines ripped from the headlines in uh, law enforcement with a, a musical theme. So it would be a courtroom drama, cop drama with singing. Right. Well, imagine. That sounds if... like something that would happen now. Yeah. I feel like oh. they, they're about to re fucking vamp that shit. It's a little bit. Well, imagine if SVU and Brooklyn Nine Nine were mashed together. I think that would be without the without the humor. Oof. Right. So, and just add a, a bunch of like over the top musical numbers. And choreographed dance in a courtroom. Even as a nine-year-old, I was like, "What the fuck is this guy thinking?" Yeah, this I was makes like, me I feel know weird. This is terrible. Yeah, it's like everything about like I can't watch singing in general. Oh but God. like when someone stops in the middle of like a DNA test to uh, <laughs> you know just, just belt out a song, right? Some overly muscular man with no shirt and a saxophone walks into the courtroom. <laughs> yeah. and there's fog machines, and they're like. <laughs> Un- irrefutable evidence. <laughs> <laughs> this man was the violator. Oh what a ridiculous concept. Yes. Uh, the single most bizarre TV musical of all time, as it was dubbed. Um, 11 episodes, it made it. Yeah. So, 11? Jesus. So 1990 was that. 
Also, the I've fallen and I can't get up slogan happened in 1990, which taught people to have empathy and still really laugh at the elderly in pain. That's important. Breaking Very hips important. is a thing. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that that it's was, that's soon. probably what's going to take us soon. all out. <laughs> you know, no matter how healthy you are, osteoporosis of the hips oh, is gotcha. what's going to get you. Mm-hmm. Step, step up your banana game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, McDonald's uh, used to cook their French fries in 90% beef, beef fat, which is called tallow. They stopped that in 1990. What? Oh my god, I heard uh, that Malcolm Gladwell podcast about that. And they you guys switched. listen to no. that? No. I did. <gasps> on the ridge. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Tell us more. Well, essentially, <clears throat> he just is like, anybody who's a millennial has never tasted a real McDonald's french fry and you should kill yourself. And I was like, okay, word. And then he like, <laughs> goes through like a very extensive test of like, a taste test. And like, they, he has the McDonald's like, science kitchen whip up the old fries versus the new and how like, Fat was like demonized by this one guy for like a while which in the eighties and nineties. It's wild because it's, it's like the, it's like NASA level research they're doing on yeah. food, which is incredible. Like if I, I felt like if I could do one thing that I would want to work at one of those labs. <laughs> yeah, but it was. I mean, you remember what McDonald's fries were like when we were kids, before Alex's parents met? Scrumptious. My dad used to take me to McDonald's. Dude, it was like fucking junk. It was like it was like heroin for kids. Yeah, those fries were incredible. Mm-hmm. They, that and the Happy Meals really suckered you in. Yeah, I remember driving by McDonald's one time, and I remember like they would, the slogan would be like, "This Happy Meal only at participating McDonald's." I didn't really know what participating meant, but I, we drove by one, and I was like, "Mom, that one's participating." I was like, "Go by that McDonald's; it's participating." And she started laughing, and then I got my crack my crack fries. Nice. They were delicious, and then they switched to vegetable oil. Now it's garbage, and then they just dumbed down even more and, and just started using pink slime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By things that are partial, technically considered animals, I guess. If you watch The Founder, which is a fantastic movie about the I origin of McDonald's. I have meaning to watch that. Is it good? It's so good because you see that the McDonald's brothers were were sort of, you know, they were a little bit on the spectrum, but they just wanted to sure. use uh, like Ford's sort of um, factory ideas in making uh, the McDonald's kitchen as efficient as possible. Oh, right. So they streamlined everything that was wrong with uh, the drive-in, fast food drive-in restaurants. But they used all good products, and mm-hmm. the team of people they worked with, they trained. So they had this like core group of guys they were, or people they worked with in San Bernardino. And then Ray Kroc shows up, and he was this sort of uh, megalomaniacal, um, positive-thinking salesman. He was like a, one of those um, door-to-door salesmen. Yeah. And so he, he came in and was like, you guys have the best – uh, product on the block. Let's franchise it. And then through his ingenuity, McDonald's became this national chain, but in the at the same time it sacrificed all of its yeah. quality. Yeah. Like if you went to get a McDonald's burger in the fifties or when, whenever this sure. was, it would have been like delicious. Yeah. yeah. Scrumptious. Right. Grass fed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's now it's why, pink slime. That's why Wawa won't really franchise outside of the Northeast. You guys, you guys don't know Wawa, right? DC. No, we do. Yeah, uh, we don't have them in DC, but they're like Philly. they're they're on the outskirts. Yeah, they're in I'm, Maryland I'm from too. Outside Philly, and yeah. Wawa is incredible. And part of the reason that they won't franchise outside, except for there's one in Florida for all the old people from Philly who moved to Florida, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> they won't franchise bigger because all of the they said that all of it all of the quality is just going to go out the window. That's right. They get I their, agree. They're butter churned by the Amish and Lancaster. Yeah, and I bet. That's why Utz doesn't deliver. Their milk, they like make their own milk. They make their own ice cream and all that stuff because of the dairy farms in Pennsylvania. It's That's so weird. Fascinating. Yeah, stuff. and I don't think anybody's gonna be into something called Wawa like anywhere else. So. Well, I mean, it's only specifically in Pennsylvania or like at like Southern Jersey, a little bit of Maryland. Yeah. We had a couple like you know it's a it's, now it's a highway spot. Where it's like fully mechanized and automated to mm-hmm. how you order your food, it's hilarious. It but is. Yeah. It's really intense. I guess it's definitely like the lesser of two evils when it comes to fast food, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, IMD, which is now owned by Amazon, is actually was technically one of the oldest websites. Was founded in 1990. Uh, it began on Usenet as a list of be- actresses with beautiful eyes. Super important. Right. Healthy corneas. I mean, it's a base. Yeah. <laughs> in case you're a billionaire and you need a transplant. In case you're wondering, where we research <laughs> a lot of our nervous. film notes. Yeah, Panama got invaded. <laughs> Shout-outs to our government. You know what I mean? Because uh, Manuel Noriega trained at the School of the Americas CIA asset, friend of George Bush, mm-hmm. the senior. Well, they're all friends. And they, they were buddies, man. And they, they, uh, he was lovingly called Pineapple Face. 
because he had a terrible acne. The face acne. of a pineapple. Yeah, t- terrible acne. Yes. Do you, do you know who Manuel Noriega is? Mm. <laughs> no. Well, it's he, okay. He was the uh, military dictator of uh, the lovely country of Panama, where sure. the first reggaeton uh, song came out of. And uh, Panama's a, f- a fun place to go visit. There's a canal there. Uh, which is why the U.S. has always had a vested interest in keeping it in our sphere of influence. Yeah. And uh, but Manuel Noriega was incredibly corrupt, and he uh, he he had banks there that were uh, laundered money for drug dealers from all over Latin America, mm-hmm. so Colombia. And yeah, um, it was in between Colombia and the rest of Central America, basically. So it was a it was a hot spot. He also allowed us <clears> to <throat> interface peacefully with uh, Cuba because yeah. he had a relationship with Fidel Castro as well. And so he was, he was like our intermediary, our muscle man. Uh, he tortured a lot of leftist insurgents in his own country for us. And uh, eventually, George Bush needed a win to show that he wasn't a wimp abroad. Mm-hmm. And they decided that they would uh, free, liberate Panama oh, <laughs> from <God>. itself. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, basically, it, it would be like if a whole bunch of... Uh, American gunships flew into Cancun, <laughs> and, uh, and we're like, we we need to save this resort. Well, yeah, the, 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 the Cayman Islands. Yeah, my one aunt was raised half in Panama because my grandfather was uh, an army doctor during Korea in Panama. He was stationed in Panama. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So we exactly. always it's had. Like, why are you stationed in Panama? Yeah. It's like mm, the canal. He was probably psyched. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's mostly, I mean, there's huge uh, U.S. bases there, yeah. a big it's population right. mm-hmm. of uh, Americans that live in their own sort of like suburban, exactly. segregated towns. Yeah. Um, anyway, that happened, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and we painted Sick. Manuel Noriega as this, mo- it's so funny, we always paint these guys as like, uh, as though they're, you know, world, we're on the world stage, these sort of villains, but they're, they're our assets, they're like our employees, and then instead of getting fired, we just go in there, capture them, bring them back. So he died. He died recently. R.I.P. Manuel. Mm. And there was a, a a rapper named after him too. Yeah. <laughs> from, Noriega. Yeah, from from Capone and Noriega. That's right. Right. Okay. <clears throat> um, anything else you guys want to cover for this fantastic year? Alex is making me feel self conscious about my headphones. <laughs> You're just doing it to get in the vibe. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's I'm sorry. I, I can't hear you. What, the... what was that? <laughs> If it's part of your process, I'm not going to judge you. Wait, when did your parents meet? My parents met in 1992. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, the year of the riots. Someone, so, so I think when I met my first wife. Date. They were on someone else's first date, <gasps> and they yeah they were they were the wingmen for a blind date that really went, that went downhill quick. Oh. They ignored their friends and didn't help them, and just like hit it off, and yeah. That's amazing. Somewhere Cupid's in the back laughing. <laughs> yeah. I always found that double dates are a great way to see, to compare and rank your relationship with someone else's. It's a, oh, it's they a... definitely did because they were with a married couple who eventually got divorced and they were fighting the whole time. Yeah. This blind date couple who immediately hated each other and then they were the only ones who stayed together. Right. So you, yeah. you get to see what you don't want to be in the future. Exactly. You're like, okay, I don't want to be like this. They left much. feeling really good about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's the barometer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> yeah. So always know that when you're hanging out with another couple, yeah. it's all compare and contrast, baby. <laughs> we're not on the same team. Exactly. Uh, fun. Hey, we're here today to talk about a movie that you suggested for us. Yes. Very excited to jump into uh, 1990s Pretty Woman. I love this movie. And uh, I'll tell you right off the bat that... My experience with this film is zero. Really? I had the first time I ever saw it was uh, last night for this podcast. <gasps> oh my god! Have you you've seen it? I saw it a, a, a really really long time ago, and I remembered not almost nothing about it except for Costanza uh, being a bit of a scumbag. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! It wasn't really uh, in my lane, I guess. I was a huge Julia Roberts fan when I was like very very little. Yeah. Between this and like my best friend's wedding. Those were those were my jams when I was like five. That's fantastic. I also have never seen my best friend's <gasps> wedding, so. no, nor have I. But I do remember <gasps> her. As... No, I'm really mad I didn't suggest that movie because I like that better. No, this is <laughs> this is good. This, we, is, we'll, this is bigger. IP we can always have you back. You could be our Julia Roberts liaison. <laughs> I mean, she's part of the reason I think I dyed my hair red. Really? Actually, yeah. It was like her, Lucy, who are like, both featured yeah. semi prominently in this film. 
No, like I, like Lucille Ball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 She's she watches. Oh, Lucille she does Ball watch Lucy. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I thought this was your favorite movie, Alex. <laughs> it's not. It's just that it's. Maybe yeah. the headphones are making me smarter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I just know Julia Roberts uh, around this era from the movie Hook. Mm. Which uh, just bummed me out. I feel like that movie ended my childhood. I think we've brought it up before on the podcast. Almost every episode. Man, do I hate Hook. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. She's fine in it. But, man. It's She's like, Tinkerbell. Yeah. All of the components in Hook are amazing. Like, the cast never... is fantastic. Yeah. The director. But for whatever reason, ugh. That well, souffle yeah. collapsed. Maybe a curse on, like, live-action Peter Pan movies. We are... like, Pan almost ended Joe Wright's career. <laughs> like... I don't know. Maybe there's like maybe we should just leave it alone. Yeah, it just I think we should definitely leave Hook alone. <laughs> we are going to review it at some point, but not, but not right now. <laughs> oh man, Pretty Woman, 1990, mm-hmm. was directed by George Marshall. Gary Marshall. Uh, get, that's what I said. Gary <laughs> mm-hmm. Marshall. George Gary Marshall. And uh, G Marsh. Yeah. And my man uh, Gary is related to the one and only Penny Marshall. Mm-hmm. And he made his bones directing episodes of Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, mm-hmm. which was Penny Marshall's show. And she's also, uh, you know, a an accomplished director in her own right. Mm-hmm. So how about that? Hollywood, small, insular, a family affair. It's true. I don't know if it's his... I don't know if it's his sister or if it's his cousin or somebody, but there's also Kathleen Marshall, who is a theater director... Oh, I, I did read about her. Who is, I who directed the 2013 Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and then immediately directed something at the Atlantic Theater Company with Carol Kane that was terrible and that was when I like saw that was the one I got to see and then I went to a talk back and she was just like, yeah, it just didn't come together. It just never came together. <laughs> right? And but, you're like, well, Carol Kane, you'd think it'd be amazing. Right. you think it'd be not good, but she was like, I just couldn't figure this one out. But she figured <laughs> out Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of directors in that family. Apparently. Uh-huh. A big showbiz family. Mm-hmm. You know, pre maybe pre-film, they were all in a, a caravan, a wagon together doing vaudeville. A vaudeville yeah. traveling vaudeville yeah. act. I love that. And, uh, all right, so Pretty Woman is, um, if we had to describe this movie to anybody that hasn't seen it, I think you said earlier, Hooker with a Heart of Gold. Yeah. And uh, the the premise of the movie is we've got a guy named Edward Lewis who is a corporate raider, and he uh, breaks up with he's broken up with by his girlfriend at the beginning of the film. He's seen as the most eligible bachelor, and he's at the beginning of a week where he has to uh, buy a company to uh, break dismantle. Mm-hmm. And he's single in L.A. He asks a hooker on the street, a streetwalker, a sex worker for directions to get back Mm -hmm. to the Wilshire Beverly Hotel. And uh, he's sort of charmed and smitten by uh, Julia Roberts' character, Vivian. Mm -hmm. And they make an arrangement to uh, where she will be his escort for the week um, and sort of act as his girlfriend in Los Angeles. And over that week. So like if The Little Mermaid or Cinderella were set on Skid Row in L.A. Yeah. That's kind of what this movie is. <laughs> they, uh, they, they start, you know, they vibe. Yeah. They start catching mm-hmm. feelings for each other. And, uh, and the movie ends with a happy ending where, she des- where he decides that he will uh, girlfriend her. Yeah. Sure. Yes. I just guess. The, gr- the, yeah. great, the greatest gift of all. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> say any of that. He just makes out with her on a, on a fire escape. Sure, it's left. It's a vague. sugar. It's a sugar baby relationship. Let's be honest. Oh, I'd love. I, we're going to talk all about sex work during this podcast <laughs> and all the terms. Yeah, yeah. So that's one one of the big themes in this that so, I think makes it uh, timeless. Right. Yeah. You it, one it's entry the point. Occupation. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Richard Gere is basically like a Disney version of um, Gordon Gecko, who was Gordon Gecko's character yeah. in Wall Street. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that. Yeah. But it's almost the exact same. Uh, he has backdrop. less personality. Way less. He's dry as a bone. <laughs> he and he's, no he's basically like the trust movie. fund version of Gordon Gecko with like a, a slightly larger, better conscience, I guess is how I would put it. Yeah. He, uh, so he's a weirdo. And watching this, <laughs> I mean, he's a total weirdo. And yeah, I was yeah, no question. focusing on the movie. acting. Uh, he, crazy. he does no acting. No. <laughs> he's, he has no affect in his face. No. 
and it makes me think of like there's Mercer is an is um a, a billionaire finance bro who's mm-hmm. a wealthy donor to Donald Trump. Yeah. And um, when people talk about him in his bio, he they make he's on the spectrum and he loves playing with trains and he's like very hard to talk to. And when you look at these finance guys that are all about numbers, they're not charismatic. People people write that Richard Gere was charming in this, but for me, he like didn't make eye contact with people. He was always understated. And um, any good vibes people felt around him was because they were projecting their own feelings onto him. Yeah. Rather than him doing anything to actually elicit them. He had like a he was just good looking and rich and he had like a sociopathic like politeness where he would always say thank you and please. Yeah. Um but he was told to not act, actually. Uh, Gary Marshall, when he was talking to Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, you know, he, he was like, I need you, because he was a little overanimated in his mm-hmm. first, like, readings. You he mean was, he was trying? He was trying. He was, yeah, he was acting. <laughs> Doing his job. Gary Marshall was like, well, there's two characters, and he's like, one's going to be moving and one's not. Guess which one you are. And he was like, oh, okay. You're right. Right. Yeah, but that's kind of why I love this movie, is like, he's the, he's what usually an actress is in these kinds of movies where it's like stand there look pretty and then the dude will like have all these revelations around you and you just continue to be like oh my god i want you that's the only thing that you do in this movie and so that's why i kind of like this in that way because he's he's the pretty one he's just there to be a pretty face and like is slightly tortured i don't know he's very he has very bizarre like Agreed. He had, he, had a, he had an iffy childhood, I guess. His dad yeah. was a corporate raider. So he comes from money. His dad he, did like, the same thing. Doesn't drink. Doesn't right. smoke. Doesn't do coke. Like, just goes and plays piano. He was like a, yeah, like a straight-edge Patrick Bizarre. Bateman. But yeah. He, he, right. He offers her champagne and strawberries. Yeah. Hey, and then he's like, just watches her eat them. Which and... is crazy. How did she not think she was getting murdered at that point? Seriously. She well, was he like, yeah, the... just take off your shoes. And then, uh, no, I don't want to drink her strawberries. You, you do all that. <laughs> I'll watch. I'm going to pretend to look at paperwork. Yeah, if you ever hang out with somebody and they offer you something, make sure that they're eating and drinking the same thing you are. Yeah, yeah exactly. This is some Cosby shit, right? Talk here. about the Princess Bride. <laughs> right? Like, come on. But Inconceivable. I mean, it's like this Holden Caulfield bullshit of like, yeah. Ooh, explain that. That one's over me. Oh, the um, it's like the thing where he he gets a a sex worker in his hotel room and then just doesn't have sex with her. He okay. just like stares at her and like cries a little bit or something. I don't know. It's been a long time since I read that book. Seek, seeking emotional intimacy. It's from Catcher in the Rye. Oh, yeah. right, He's like right. a young teen That's in that right. book and this is like a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. Clearly he was going to try to pick up a sex worker. He wasn't lost in LA. Shut up. He just didn't know how to drive stick. Was trying <laughs> to pick up a sex worker. Clearly has issues with relationships considering he's a divorcee. And just got dumped by his girlfriend. Clearly doesn't know how to do this. Is like, it's fine. I'll just pay someone. So originally, this was a much, much darker movie. Uh, and Buena Vista, was Disney, got oh, its yeah. hands on it and changed it. So initially, she was a drug addict. She was addicted to cocaine. And part of the whole thing of him, her staying with him was to, you know, you can't do drugs, can't do anything. Oh, I see. Her, her friend in, in street work, uh, Laura... Uh, San Giacomo's character Kit Kit, Kit dies at the end of a drug overdose oh. in this film in the original content which is crazy so that would have been a, a far more intriguing movie yeah yeah. Um, but then you know you disney it and then it made you know half a billion dollars so of course that's why they did that um, but that that's an interesting point to make is, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it was in, conceptually a much grittier film they had so many different people Julia Roberts was like so far down the list of people they wanted for this movie. Really? Yeah, it was great. The the actresses that they that they initially went out to, basically everyone else at that point who, oh, who was anywhere. Makes sense. As far as Richard Gere's character, they went out to like Denzel Washington, Danny Glover, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, and there there was a you know several other people that, that they were they were pitching this film to. So conceptually, what it was to what it turned out to be was apparently very very different. That's fun because they did bring up uh, like I was thinking about the the movies The Last Detail in Wall Street. They reference that the guy who directed this or wrote this was inspired by those two films. Mm. So The Last Detail is uh, you know Jack Nicholson's got to take um, a character to like to prison, yeah, and they, he has a week to get him to, to prison. So over that week, they become really good buddies in the Navy, 
and then uh, Wall Street, which of course, like we see Richard Gere as an analog for Gordon mm-hmm. Gecko, but who's been made roma- like romantic, romantic as opposed yeah. to being seen as like the sleazy vulture capitalist that he is. Right. And um, this seems like if it was made in the 70s or even early 80s, at the tail end of that cynicism, this movie could have been uh, not been it would have been gritty like it but disney took it like you said yeah yeah and like made it an antiseptic sort of princess fairy tale right um but i would have loved to me and about 15 other people would have loved to see the movie of like a craven crass capitalist uh sleeping with a prostitute for a week i mean it's capitalist versus capitalist away. these people are penultimate capitalists yeah. if you think about it right they're each, they're each trapped for their own but i mean at the heart of it all like the details definitely could have been a lot crazier a lot like grittier but i mean it's just eliza doolittle yes again and again right you know and then gary marshall went on to write the princess diaries uh in like a remake 2000 yeah it's like the exact same movie in 2001 it's the same thing except instead of being a streetwalker she's just a high school girl with glasses and like instead of a craven capitalist it's julie andrews as a monarch yes and they have the same people give her Makeovers. It's the same characters. It's Larry Miller and uh, Hector Alonso. Hector Alessandro, yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you look at these... Richard Gere? Yeah. Passed on Gordon Gecko two years prior, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting. There you go. Yeah. He he just really wanted the role of putrid capitalist, (laughs) and he finally got it in a Uh, much more subdued And we look at... So, as we're talking a little bit about, like, capitalism in this, it's uh, it has to be said that this movie came out at the tail end. This was, like, the, the middle of uh, George Bush Sr.'s mm-hmm. presidency, and this was the tail end of what I would still call the Reagan era. Yeah. So, even though it was George Bush's president, the Reagan era is, like, greed is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Height of the war on drugs, which... Yeah, and, and with this greed is good idea, and uh, it's all about consumerism. Like, the yuppie was still the... Um, Definitely. The un uh, uncritically recognized like apex role model. Yeah. So we're supposed to love Richard Gere. No, no one's critiquing what he does as a venture capitalist in this. Like he is a corporate raider, and those guys were seen as good. And everything about this movie is like money. It's all just about money. Like yeah. Rodeo Drive is fetishized. Mm-hmm. The Lotus Esprit car that they have. Oh my god. Um. You know, Julia Roberts is just is super happy to upgrade into like, oh yeah, the world that he lives in. Uh, I don't see her as. Uh, um, let's talk about her for a minute. I love this character, Vivian. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was perfect, and I was gonna. I was mentioning p- people that were up for this role. I mean, they had everybody on any list ever. Um, Kim Basinger, Kathleen Turner, Deborah Winger, Gina Davis, Carrie Fisher. Basically, any actress in Hollywood got Karen offered Al- this Did you role. say Karen any, Allen? Any actress. No, I didn't say Karen Allen. Yeah. Melanie Griffith, Sharon Stone, Rosanna Arquette, Jennifer Jason Lee, which would have made this movie really weird. Great. Dude, she would have been... Phoebe Cates. I would have cast Phoebe Cates or Jennifer Jason Lee in the darker version of this. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, that would have been... I'm sure they probably were offered it when it was the darker version. Yeah. Julia Roberts was obviously a, a lot less known at this point, but I think she was she was really good in this movie. She was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I you can see why this launched her career. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a smash hit, you know, a budget of $14 million. Globally, it took in, at the end of the day, like $470 million, which is crazy. Yeah. Monster. Monster I mean, hit. The accomplishment that this movie uh, sort of achieved... For me, is that uh, they made a movie about a uh, a man who hires a prostitute for a week, and you can watch this movie with your grandparents and your children. <laughs> so it's a fun uh, sex worker romp for the whole family. It really is. It really is. I mean, she got vastly underpaid. Can we talk about that? Please. I mean, because she was supposed to be going in with a hard pitch of a hundred dollars an hour. I'm... He said all night. Then that that's $300 an hour since when is all night three hours. That's insane. Dude, teach everyone financial literacy. Like, I mean, she got a week she, was $3,000? She got screwed. Totally screwed. I wrote that down. I was like, the math doesn't add up. Like, how does that even work? You know, she gets $300 for the, over the course of what seems to be like 10 hours. And then like a continental breakfast in the morning, which you get like at a Holiday Inn Express. insane. Yeah. 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 So her numbers were fucked up. And I feel like as a, as a lady of the evening, you're... you're Hour to wage ratio should be your math should be tighter. 
Right. Yeah. And also, maybe it should go up the more people, the more time people want, the more your rate should go up as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. She should have gotten like 14 grand out of this dude. And he wouldn't have blinked. Why wasn't she wearing a, a watch calculator? <laughs> like, like a Casio? Just, yeah, especially yeah. if she doesn't have I, a pimp. I mean, come on. I don't know that he would have He would, He would. would have blinked, I think, because he's a corporate raider. That's fair. So I think when money came down to it, it would have been a wrestling match between two very different types of capitalists, but ultimately the same. But then the bargain would have gotten her a lot higher than fucking $3,000, which is what she ended up getting. I mean, she, she ended got up some getting, clothes yeah. out of it, but... Still, this is true. She kept the she kept the clothes. She did. Yeah. What do you do with those clothes, though? Do you send them? To, you you trade them in in a consignment shop? How no, do you, I would uh, elevate. If I was a prostitute, I would elevate my clientele. Yeah, high end call girl. Mm-hmm. Now That's she right. can now she can go back to hotels like that, and nobody's blinking. That way, if you're walking around with a prostitute in Chanel, people are going to think less that she's Which a prostitute. Is what they do now in 2019. Oh yeah, I worked at a hotel that was prevalent. That 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 type of. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, night work. I've those seen, ty- those types of night moves. I've yeah, seen so many sugar daddy baby, you know, oh, on, the, uh, on the upper east side. It's yeah. crazy. I just feel like that is the a way, uh, one of the main ways that people pay their rent in New York City now. Yes, as a young woman, like anybody who says that they haven't thought about it at least twice when rents do is lying, because there's so many like testimonials on Reddit that's like, I don't even have to do anything. Honestly, he just wanted me to like compliment him and then i went home and got like a thousand dollars or yeah. whatever because i showed up to this party with this old guy and yeah. i met him through an app or whatever yeah you're really? like, here guys like, oh that sounds amazing but then it's like no i'm gonna get that one guy that's fucking creepy and fucking scary yeah and i'm gonna get murdered i mean that's the thing you're playing russian roulette so i think that's 100 most people with sane uh <laughs> well, who use logic would probably these avoid apps, that are, aren't there more like yelp reviews on these apps what are these apps know? And are there well, ones that 40-year-old men, 40 year old men can go accompany women who want compliments? There used to be, like, there were sites, but then they got kind of blown up because they did, like, a bunch of, like, think PC exposés almost on some of these sites. And then they kind of blew up, and now they have new sites or whatever. Sure. I was once, like, toying with writing a script on it, and then it got way too complicated, and I got really scared. <laughs> I just stopped looking into it. But apparently, yeah, they're, I mean, they meet through that's all a, kinds of things on the internet. That's actually a really great idea yeah. for a script. Sugar, yeah, sugar babying. But the thing is, you have to be able to talk to people who have actually done it. It would be far better than the uh, movie Solar Babies about roller skating. <laughs> well, there's a great uh, stand-up comedian named uh, Wendy Starling in the city, and mm-hmm. she uh, talks on, you know, on stage, she talks a lot about her experience um, with a sugar daddy, so mm-hmm. being a sugar baby. And it's it's out there. It's a thing, and uh, you know I have no moral judgments against anyone. And yeah. sex work is work, and uh, you know, hey, we're all we're all prostitutes, man. If you're out here <laughs> in one way or another, yeah. If, if you're out here trick, all uh, all labor, all wage, it's all theft. They're all just stealing our time. Oldest profession in the world, man. Yeah. Also, we're I mean, as America as a country, we're woefully behind in the uh, regulation of sex work. Definitely. Yeah. Far behind. Those, those those crafty Europeans, well, always Jap- one step I'm ahead. Sorry, but the Japanese really are the ones who have gotten it down to quite a science. Yeah, because they have a hundred different tiers. And it's like, yep. you know, you get a wink through a mirror. That's for the crazy like 50 one. Bucks also, or Japanese male escort prostitutes are the ones, and they're not even sleeping with anybody. That sugar babies are mostly men. Actually, it's a lot of like uh, gay men that are being kept. So there's an app for that and stuff. Yeah, there's definitely an app for that. Well, that's yeah. Get involved. Mm-hmm. Go on. Go on Google. Uh-huh. Find one. Dig sure. around. Make some money. <laughs> right. Quit your jobs, and uh, just tell the sugar daddy that uh, we need we need better sound equipment. So I've been using Hinge like an idiot, which yeah. is basically like the ASPCA for human beings. It's like an ASPCA <laughs> oh ad God. for human beings. Look at this one. <laughs> oh no. She likes traveling. Yay. And cheeses. Uh, I remember Tinder, and you'd sw- uh, you'd. Uh, Scroll through Tinder, and it would just be like pictures true, of people though. zip lining in Costa Rica. Oh right, yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. Or like a picture with f- five people, uh, five ladies all jumping uh, in unison on a beach, and mm-hmm. I'm like, which one are you? I don't know. Oh, I love that. Yeah, great. I love I love the one where the person has it's every picture is like three different people. Like, are you that insecure? <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah, bad idea. Um, we can go off on dating apps all day. Vivian, dude, Julia Roberts' character, Vivian, she's a part-time prosty. She's freelancing. She doesn't part-time, have a pimp. though. What's her full? She's free. Yeah, no, but yeah, you're right. She's freelancing. She doesn't have a she's, pimp. Yeah, it, she's the whole an independent thing is like, contractor. We decide like 
who, when, how much. That's right. a current kit's like little right. tagline. So like a little little bit of empowerment. Yeah, I mean, a if you're bit. in the call girl game, if yeah. you're full time, you got it. Yo, you're out there every night, same time. You check in, you check out. They're also shockingly pretty for call girls. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I Disney. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, movies. Yeah, movies. She she's has also, all. She's also wearing more clothes than I've seen on many a woman just going out for drinks. She's wearing more she's clothes wearing than I've clothing. seen on fourteen-year-old girls at this yes. point, like in the street. Like. It's crazy. And yeah. I mean, but the boots, like Ariana Grande brought them back. Mm. I mean, I knew what a condom was before I knew what sex was because of this movie. She, That's like, not a bad thing, though. She a bunch of condoms from those boots. Wonderful. A whole rainbow. A whole rainbow. Yeah. And then a gold one. Yes. She has one gold coin left. Mm-hmm. No magnums. No. She didn't even offer him one. It was not the time. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you probably won't need anything larger than these, <laughs> my man. Uh, well, she would have known because she checked him out in the Lotus earlier. That's right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a sizing process. How has mm-hmm. Bravo not made a show called uh, Call Girl Turf Wars? Remember the little fight they get into? They're like, oh, on, yeah. on the Walk of Fame, she's like, we, we work anywhere star. between Don Rickles <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, yeah. Judy Garland. Yeah. This I think, is our turf. You know, part of, part of this, uh, like, in-depth exposés on, uh, on cult- subcultures just ruin them. So, yeah. like, the minute that somebody would go out there and be like, on this corner, you're going to find prostitutes. Then they're going to scurry right. and, and find another corner because you don't want the tourists. Like yeah. there's that one scene where there's a prostitute. Uh, they find, they don't show That's the like body. The, one of the opening scenes of this movie. Right. Which is kind of crazy. <laughs> and yeah. And they totally brush over the mortality, the threat, you know, that mm-hmm. you see this, uh, this uh, prostitute has OD'd in the alley. And uh, a young Hank Azaria has his first speaking line as the detective in this. Oh, oh, right. I love him. And there's two people taking photos. And the callousness mm-hmm. that they play off as uh, like sort of cartoonish humor. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Are, you, well, are you guys reporters? And We're from the, Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> the tourists would actually... The, uh, disaster mm-hmm. porn. Tourism. Yeah. What, disaster tourism. Yeah. You know? That's a thing. That's been... I mean, that's been around forever. Like, I'm a huge true crime nut. Yeah. And like... That's, I mean, they call them the less dead yep. in the, the true crime world. It's like and anybody, who's a, anybody who can be written off as a prostitute, specifically using that word, and specifically using, like, drug addict, you know, it's the, it's the whole idea that they, they deserved it. And they kind of joke about it when they're like, yeah, I mean, she was a crack addict, so yeah. it's fine. She was a crackhead. A strawberry. Yeah, like, LOL. But it's, I mean, that was clearly a huge issue. Then nobody's going to miss them. Right. Right. Yeah. The first podcast where I heard that uh, was I listened to the last podcast on the left. I fucking the love the last podcast on the left. And I got hooked after listening to their uh, Black Serial Killers. Uh, yeah. It was like three episodes in a row, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there were, you know, this idea of the less dead. They they had there were three um, Black Serial Killers operating in uh, Los Angeles simultaneously. Yep. yep. And you know, if it had been in a white community, like right away, mm-hmm. they would have there would have been. Uh, more news about it sure but because it was they were targeting and killing black prostitutes mm-hmm. nobody cared they and just thought it was i listened to um my favorite murder as well sure and uh they also talk a lot about that because it's two it's hosted by two women and there was a serial killer targeting gay men in new york city in the 70s and he was active for like years and years but th- they never wanted to talk about it because they were like well they're Gay, so there. Oh, so interesting. Um, Was there a film about that? Yeah, cruising, cruising. cruising. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, William Friedkin, one of my favorite directors, Exorcist. uh, He, yeah, he directed The Exorcist, and in The Exorcist, the Mm -hmm. serial killer, that gay serial killer that we just talked about, he is actually an extra in the movie. He is. He's in the hospital scene, right? Yes. Yeah. He's one of the um, the the first film, the first Exorcist. Yes. Really. Mm -hmm. And he he's an actor in it. And oh, wow. uh, he's in the hospital because he really was a medical professional. And yep. so William Friedkin, uh, when, when the news came out that this was the killer, they found him because I think he dumped some of the bodies using hospital bags that mm. they were able to track back to the hospital. Um, William Friedkin had his mind blown that he'd been so close to someone so evil. And so he went to visit him in jail just to check, just to see him. Like Mindhunter. Yeah. yeah. And then that was the inspiration for the movie Cruisin'. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, Which tanked. I is, yeah, I hear is 
a terrible film. I've never seen it. Myself, I but love it. Really? <laughs> it is terrible. Okay. But it's uh, hashtag problematic. Okay, of course. Um, there's so many. Everyone hated it. Um, straight, the straight audience at the time didn't want to watch it. And the gay community at the time saw it as a kind of um, uh, making them look bad. A degradation. Sure. Yeah. But now it's like I'm so far removed from any of that. Right. But to see like this time capsule of pre-AIDS uh, gay, yeah. like gritty New York mm-hmm. and have Al Pacino playing a character that is so outside of how we perceive him today. Right. Is, it's, a, that's it's great. Crazy. That's what made the guy a great actor. And I mean, kudos to them for covering that subject matter in the 70s. Or was it, did it come out in 80? It came out in like 1980. Yeah, yeah I feel like yeah. it came out in 1980. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's good work. Yeah, cruising. That's what you're supposed to do with your career, right? <laughs> Take chances. <laughs> do you think people identify De Niro with Travis Bickle anymore? No. They don't. But uh, interesting that you brought him up. Travis Bickle, a Captain Savaho. Oh, and right. Richard Gere. That's Captain right. Captain Savaho. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. Both both those movies, Taxi Driver and Pretty Woman, deal with uh, prostitution. Saving of a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Sex work. Right. But, you know, I think... Played that... by a very young Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver. So young. Mm. Who actually wanted to play the role of Vivian, I think. Did she? She was in there. <gasps> yeah. She was intrigued by it. She wanted what, to revisit. What a fun echo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably why she wanted to do it. I think she had played a 12-year-old prostitute in Taxi Driver, but was actually 14 at the time, or the other way around. But her being that age made the uh, intimate, intimate scenes between her and Harvey Keitel and... Robert De Niro, they yeah. were so uncomfortable during those scenes, both of the men. Well, good. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> if they were, like, sweet, then I would be like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was your favorite part of being on set for this? Well, I love the uh, love scenes between I me love and... the eye contact between <laughs> me and the 12-year-old. Yeah. Horrifying. That's like, I mean, I watched uh, the, like, the Professional when I was, like, fairly young, when I was, like, a teenager, mm-hmm. and I didn't see it as horrifying as when I got just a little bit older and was like, oh my God, she's so small. Oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. She's this so young. Horrifying. It's crazy. We will be covering that movie. The French. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. I like how we're talking about far better it. films than Pretty Woman right now. <laughs> That's where this conversation has gone. Yeah. Well, um, uh, pretty, I mean, let's get back, let's get back well, to, I mean, uh, the, to stuff. Like, I mean, the bathtub scene, the piano scene, they're so awkward, but kind of hot, but kind of what are you doing? Like, I don't know. Bathtub scene was okay with me. The sex on the piano publicly was odd. Yeah. Well, I you're in the fucking lobby of a hotel. Dude, that's my yeah, fantasy of being like a narco cartel leader and just having my Clearing own. out a place. <laughs> yeah. Fellas. Empty club, which is like five people like trying to clean it up after hours and being like, everybody out. Time to, to make love. Yeah. Like, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't even like close the piano so that she, like, he, he's like, no, I want to make piano banging sounds on top. Like, he drags her across the keys. Yeah. In the uh, beginning of that scene. They had to dub over it's and put, put actual, like, solid piano notes that made sense because the, obviously the notes on the piano that were made when they were having having their uh, relations were awful. Awful yeah. noises. Oh, I'm which sure. Which really funny. <laughs> like, very they made atonal. Point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. She's just walking around in, like, a silk teddy the entire movie as well. She's, yeah. You don't, we, like, she's barely in her underwear, which is hilarious. This is true. Well, luckily she has a friend. Uh, one of my favorite characters in the movie, Barney, played by Hector Elizondo, who him. helps her get some clothes, right? Love him. And uh, my favorite scene is actually when uh, she goes to the clothing store, and oh, the course. second time around, yeah. of course, and well, the whole, basically, I, I don't want to, it's not one scene, but it's like three scenes, and mm-hmm. they're all around her getting clothes. Mm-hmm. So initially, she gets snubbed, because she doesn't look right. Yeah, and, she uh, looks poor. Yeah. And I actually, <laughs> she looks poor. Right. And, and I think anybody uh, who's been profiled for any reason in a, in a store yeah. can sort of identify with this. And it's, uh, and white people get to identify with it because it's a beautiful Julia Roberts right. that's getting, you know, put out for class. But really this is like, you know, if you're a black kid, if you're like anybody of color and you go into a store, there's that vibe where like, you're just not welcome. Yeah. And I remember going into a bookstore here in Williamsburg with a, with a good friend of mine, and we were, like, super excited to go and, like, buy books. Sure. <laughs> like, literate. And the guy behind the counter came up to my friend and was like, um, you, you, you have to leave. You both have to leave. And we were like, what? what? And he's like, well, we have, uh, I have, um, uh, there's a, sus- a suspected uh, shoplifter uh, with your profile that was in here. 
a oh, couple days ago. Oh, my God. So, and, and we're like, what? Like, But you can't even argue with, that, with no. a patron, with the store owner, because you know, then you're making a scene. Right. And then you're loud. And then everybody's cell phones come out. And it's like, now you're being irrational when Awful. they're calmly telling you to leave. So we immediately went to like another bookstore down the street, talked shit about uh, yeah. this bookstore, bought like $100 worth of um, stuff, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, took pictures of the receipts and then just like... Big mistake. Yeah. Huge. Huge mistake, which right. is exactly what um, Julia Roberts does. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Now at least we have Twitter. Right. You can tweet corporate and be like, I was mistreated by your blah, blah, blah location. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You know? But uh, it happens all the time. I worked at Anthropology when I was in college on Fifth Avenue, and I was told to follow "quote unquote" friends of ours. That's what they call prospective shoplifters. They go like, "I think we have some friends in the clearance department. Can you check them out?" <laughs> and I would like turn the corner and be like, "This girl has more expensive clothing on than I've ever owned in my entire life. She's fine. She's just black. You're right. You're being insane. Like." I was going to ask you what the criteria was for friends time. of ours. It, I mean, it's just anybody that the manager deems suspicious. Right. Dude, in high school, uh, we would, uh, when we would shoplift, <laughs> sure. uh, we would have our, our, a black friend walk in first <laughs> and they would follow him oh my and God. then the whitest kids would steal all of the course. comic books yeah. and then we would split them up out back. Because it's like an analogy for America in general. That's hilarious. <laughs> because it's and you know true, now I'm woke and you don't do things like that. Right. But, you know, well, that's like whenever like, yeah, whenever strategic. I'm going into like yeah. a music festival or anything, I'm the one of all of my friends that like I sneak in the alcohol in like a little flask or whatever, and like any other substances we're bringing in or whatever. I'm the one who sneaks it in, not like my Latina friend, not my black friend, because they're getting patted down from yeah. head to toe. But I'm five nothing and white girl, so they're not going to ask me. So I think the message here is that the surveillance state is not effective because it isn't um, really intruding on everyone's privacy equally. Right. Man, I got away with a lot of shoplifting in high yeah. school, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> message to America. White kids are the shittier ones. Oh my Just God, so you know, yeah. if you want to catch somebody. Right. Well, I have friends. Uh, Definitely. I have relatives who live in a kids. gated community and there. And it's like, you know, it's like a checkpoint. You yeah, to go through to like you need a mm-hmm. visitor's pass to go to this place, and yeah, you know, they had a rash of breaking and enterings at this uh, in this uh, neighborhood. You're talking and, about B and E's, yeah, man. And you know, you know who did it? It wasn't like wet bandits coming in from out of state. No, it was your <laughs> shitty nephew. Yeah, that it was already knew the code. All kinda. like all the kids from the neighborhood yeah. doing it. So it's like you trap yourself in the prison with your own children who are going to be the thieves. Yes, <laughs> your own kids are the ones that are going to eat you. Right. It's not, it's not strangers that do it. 100%. All right. So, yeah, that was my favorite scene was her going back and, uh, and saying, big mistake, huge yeah. mistake. There was, there was good redemption there. It was good. I like the opera date as well. Moonstruck, another one of my faves, also has an opera date in it. It's yeah. wildly what, over the top. That's one of our favorites as well. So good. Mm-hmm. I like to awkwardly, silently cry next to my date while we don't look at each other, but, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's that's never, that happens uh, in both. That happens yeah. in both. I think that's great. That, never that a time opera to... was about a uh, prostitute falling in love with a rich man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a classic storyline. Yeah. But, I mean, the private jet was definitely was definitely helpful to the whole, I'm going to sweep you off your feet of that moment. Private jet, a uh, huge carbon footprint. Huge. <laughs> I'm watching this movie from my 2019 perspective, True. and I'm thinking... Right. Kill this guy. It's true. We have to. We should ban private jets. Yeah. Yeah, but it was so impressive to her. <laughs> it takes a private jet to San Francisco. I know a lot of people actually. I mean, apparently, yeah. Back and forth, you got to do it. I bet everybody in Silicon Valley that has mm-hmm. to go down to like a Ariana Grande concert at a Rose Bowl is flying down in a private jet yeah. for the night. Kim K. When she went to that Cher concert, she took a private jet with her friends. Mm-hmm. I've watched the the Kardashians <laughs> while been laid up with my broken knee. <laughs> yeah, and this movie made me think maybe this is how Trump met Melania. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Yeah. Know? No, I'm like, I don't even see that as a joke. That yeah, would I mean, definitely that's... be 100% true. Or at some... ordered her out of a catalog of some sort. Because it's not even about, it's not that she was walking the street or anything, but this no. idea of like a mail order bride or yeah. like, what does he want? What does Richard Gere's character really want? He needs someone who's at his beck and call all the time. He wants like a trad, trad wife, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and that's what uh, Julia Roberts is able to provide within this week of service. Right. At what point do you guys think she ultimately fell for him and he fell for her? Um, I mean, I don't think he ever fell for her, personally. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I think that was all bullshit. Hmm. I mean, I think he was just like, I, I, he finds her adorable and has decided to try again. I don't know. He, like, wants to do it again. Like, he had the wife, and then he had the girlfriend that he was living with, and now she's gone. So he's like, I want to do it again. I want to have another live-in person. And this is, so, uh, there is a moment. And I think it's in the bathtub. And in the bathtub, he reveals his villainous origin story. Sure. How his father was mean to him. Yes. And so... (laughs) Or treated his mom poorly, I think, was the big big thing for him, right? Yeah, both those things are true. Mm. And then he uh, dismantles... He he becomes a mastermind uh, finance bro so that he can buy his dad's company and tear it apart. Right. So it's a very, like, um, Zeus killing his father type story. Uh, like yeah. this is this is like a mythological story of like Definitely. killing your father, and then she so Freud. but he reveals this to her, and so I think that that's that that's the moment the closest moment of intimacy he has with her, and it's not really about her, it's just about like himself, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he and then and then he sees his a new father figure in this old businessman, mm-hmm. and he's he wants to protect this old businessman instead of just taking his company and cannibalizing it. And maybe it's because he's around, you know, Julia Roberts that he feels this new sense of uh, of um, sentimentality. Right. He wants to be protective. He wants to build something instead of take something apart. But what does Julia Roberts want to build anyway, though? She like, doesn't. Right. There's no meta. Like the metaphor is sort of having an equal partnership instead of a reductive um, financial situation. But we, but she's never told us what her dreams are. No. So, like, will she just be a kept bird in a golden cage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I kind of... I mean, all she's ever expressed is that she wanted someone to rescue her. <laughs> is, that, is that really what yeah, you... Yeah. I mean, that's what she says. Okay. She says, like, oh, yeah. like, I was kept in the attic by my evil mother. Oh, right. And then I wanted Ivory someone Tower. to come rescue me. I want the fairy tale. I want a fairy tale. And then at the end, she says, and she rescues him right back or whatever to try to, like, be strong in her own right. But I think she falls for him when he punches Jason Alexander in the face. Oh, let's talk about Costanza at some point. Oh, his 90s career is so... His post Seinfeld life is like really sad. Yeah, I mean that's typical. Like you get, you're on a huge, hugely popular sure. hit show. When you get typecast, it's, it's over. It's over with. But you happy? He was in Brandy's Cinderella. Like he did some weird shit. He was in Shallow Hell as, as a man with a prehensile tail. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's not so much you can do, but just be happy with the success you've had. <laughs> Live off those royalties. Yeah, man. he should have just sat back for a little while and then waited for this moment I where feel we like all became obsessed with the '80s again. Right. I mean, he did a uh, McDonald's commercial for whatever, the, the McLean Deluxe or whatever one that, the, the again, bef- way before your the time. McLean Deluxe. Yeah, it was uh, a, a, patty and a, a patty and toppings that were separated in a styrofoam container. So the burger stayed hot while the lettuce, and, lettuce tomato, and onion stayed crisp. The stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know what I like? More packaging. You yeah. know what I like? More styrofoam. Having to put the meal together myself yeah. when I'm ordering fast food. I like quadru- What the uh, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I like quadrupling up on the CFCs. Yeah. Doubling yeah. down. Oh, man. So, Costanza, he's a, he's a slimy dude in this. Uh, also an attempted rape in this movie. Yep. Definitely. Without question. Disney. Dis- yeah. <laughs> what a, yeah, what a terrible... <laughs> that heavy breathing is Alex. Yeah. Right. Uh, also, but there was no, like, um, dealing with the trauma of the attempted rape. Yeah, he also, like, doesn't, I mean, he just goes, like, get out of this room right now. Like, there's no, like, never speak to me again, or, like, I'm, like, I'm not dealing with you anymore, you're a slime ball. Like, none of that. He just goes, like, I'm gonna punch you in the face it's, yeah. and remove you right now. He never severed the business ties yeah, all the way. I was, he's still I, his lawyer. You think so? You think they stayed, uh... Again, I don't. I don't think he gives a shit about Julia Roberts in the long run. Hmm. He doesn't have a character in the movie. 
I, there's nothing for me to like go off of. You know who actually has the most development in this film is Kat. Kit. Kit. <laughs> yes. Because Kit, at the end of it, Kit has a dream. It's true. Kit, at the beginning of the movie, Kit is nothing but a drug addict who steals money from her roommate. Yeah. And it was like her de facto pimp, basically. Yeah. And at the end, she is talking to other prostitutes about having a goal and, yeah. uh, and finding a transition career. Yeah. I Just mean, a I stable think, of upwardly mobile hoes. I think, the, <laughs> I think the problem with this movie is that like, in the Eliza Doolittle like, structure, he's supposed to destruct. Like, He's supposed to self-destruct or self-emulate for her to go forward, which is like what A Star is Born is about, which is like what like Annie Hall is. Like, it's just she's supposed to move on without him. It's not supposed to be a romantic end to an Eliza Doolittle. So that's they're like shoehorning it at the end, and that's yes. why I don't believe it. And that line that you said earlier where uh, she saves him, mm-hmm. they added that line. Uh, yeah, someone added I it. I think like a, a woman who was producing this yeah. film she was like, well, let's make it more of an even, balanced thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody feels good. They're, all the flavors right. have been added to season this movie so that people are pleased right. with it. But it it wasn't... It doesn't make it art. No. <laughs> it just makes it a people pleaser. Yeah. Well, I hate the end of this movie. Right. Whenever I watch it, I skip the end. I, I turn it right. off. Like, I really don't... I hate the end of this movie. It's so corny. At what point it's do you shitty. stop it? It's Disney. But what point do you stop it? Like, where do you cut it off from? I usually stop um, when he goes, like, stay one last night or whatever. Just okay. Just because and not because I'm paying you. And weirdly enough, she goes, no. Which makes me also think, like, is she really just doing this for the money? Like, what? Yeah. Like, what's going on with that? And she's already decided to leave. It's, like, after she talks to Kit and, like, has a cute moment with Kit where they, like, hug. And she goes, like, I don't like goodbyes. And then leaves. Oh, right. I usually turn it off. Yeah, it's the long con. You know, mm-hmm. if she stayed for one night, he would have gotten the emotional validation he needed. Yeah. And then that would have been it. But she wants, I don't know what she wants. That's the thing. She never explicitly says like, I want to get married. Mm-mm. I want to be your living girlfriend. I want, you know. Yeah. She seems insulted by his deal to like have her kept like as a kept woman, like in a condo, in a car, have all the money and like clothes that she wants. She feels insulted by that, but at the same time doesn't really say like. She just says, I want the fairy tale. But wouldn't you be more insulted at the offer in general? And how could you actually love that person if he's like, I just want to keep you in a little pen. Yeah, exactly. Give you stuff. Like, you how do you feed. move on from there when he's like, oh, never mind. Just kidding. I, you'll be my wife instead. Yeah, I would have like, at least made him, made him climb to the top of the fucking fire escape. <laughs> yeah. Let's him get away with the last floor. Yeah, look, you get to keep, here, in our arrangement now, you get to keep all the stuff I just said you're yeah. going to have. But I'll also take you out for scallops more yeah, often. Get scallops. Yeah, <laughs> scallop dinners. Yeah, I like how they slid in the whole like weird sea line that he's like afraid of heights, so that it really makes that climbing the fire escape thing like a quote unquote big deal. Dude, what a lame thing! It's so lame. It's not even get to the top. So silly. It's so dumb. That was a silly scene. Yeah, agreed. Um, hey, y'all. Final thoughts. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What are you thinking? I mean, it's like, it's a classic to me because I'm obsessed with rom-coms and I feel like it's just, it's one of those like old stalwarts that I can't not think of when I'm thinking of like the old good rom-coms of the nineties, but I always skip the ending. I love it. I think just skip the ending. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I loved the uh, soundtrack to this movie. Yeah. The soundtrack is killer. It took me right back to that time period. (laughs) And um, everybody's on it. When you look at it, it's like a list of hits. We've got Prince, we've got David Bowie, we've got Iggy Pop. Yeah. Uh, I love the the first song, The King of Wishful Thinking. Mm -hmm. That's one of those songs that always comes on whenever I'm uh, getting my hair cut. I don't know why. <laughs> Whenever I go to the hair salon, it's always like 80s and 90s freestyle hits. Right. And uh, man, this, yeah, this whole soundtrack just feels like a bubble bath I want to get into and, you know, <laughs> unwind after a long day at work. Uh, and one thing that makes this film t- uh, timeless for me is the cinematography. Right. You yeah. know, it's, it looks so good that that um, makes up for a lot of the storylines faults. Yeah. And seeing a young Jason Alexander be totally sleazy and slimy, perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a great time capsule for like yuppie late 80s early 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's 
what I think, but I think that I would have loved to see a darker version of this. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked to see the original film that they that they wrote. So, oh yeah, uh, over this. You know, I'm gonna give this a. Um, uh, Prof- I'm gonna give this a s- six vinyl high heel boots mm-hmm. out of ten. <laughs> I, mean, I I don't think anyone that's listening to this hasn't seen it. Uh, or in general, like everyone's seen this movie at some point in their yeah. lives. Uh, a little by the numbers, Julia Roberts is good. I mean, mm-hmm. very good in it. Yeah. And you know, she she earned she earned her keep. I can't. Uh, it's it's just a, it's it's very basic. Go see go see Lady and the Tramp or Beauty and the Beast if you really <laughs> want a more thought provoking film. Probably going to give this three rainbow colored prophylactics. <laughs> three. Out of ten? Out of like, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, was not, <laughs> was not Richard geared towards me? I guess that's a better way to put that. Um. Well, everybody, uh, that's it. You've listened to our review of Pretty Woman, and once again, we had our guest Alex Shannon on the show. Is there anything you'd like to plug, Alex? Yeah. Um. Come listen to my podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we're at a ridiculous pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex Shan, A-L-U-X-S-H-A-N. Nice. <laughs> Quick call to action. Sam, you guys you don't do that? <laughs> anything going on today? <laughs> yeah, I'm having dinner with my sister in a little bit. Nice. So, uh, you know, we'll be at a restaurant. Check me out there. Nice. Hey, man, I'm Gabe Pacheco, and I have an album that came out on 800 Pound Gorilla Records. Uh, the drop date is uh, was March 5th, so probably when you listen to this, it'll be after that. But um, please download the album and then rate and review it. Also, if you love our podcast here at Eat, Pray, Judge, just leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and a little written review because anytime that you put words down, uh, we read all of them, and they uh, boost our morale and keep us recording more episodes. So thank you very much. Uh, See you next week.